Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Baltazor. And today, we have quite a full recap week. We're going to be talking about recruiting in three different, four different sports, wow, as well as preseason women's basketball news, the soccer recap, the volleyball recap, cross country, and golf recaps, as well as the wacky segment of the week. But let's not belay the point because the episode will probably be long enough as it is. So let's get right into recruiting. Starting at the top with football. And unfortunately, we do not have good news. Because in this last week, the native Nebraskan Gage Stenger, yeah. Stenger, Stenger decommitted from Kansas State to instead go play for his hometown Nebraska Cornhuskers in the cult that is Nebraska. So um, I understand that it is his hometown team, but uh, but about us winning recruiting battles against other local schools. Uh... Yeah, that's that's the thing that's just so frustrating is the staff has made a habit of losing recruiting battles that in a vacuum, like with just that specific battle alone, you're like, okay, that makes sense. You know, Nebraska, if you, if you grew up in Nebraska, it's, it is just, it's the Cornhuskers or nothing. Yeah. Like there's no professional sports teams unless you count the AAA team in Omaha, which no. And then there's like Creighton and Omaha and that's it really. Unless you want to go D2. But there's only Nebraska, so they normally get a monopoly on the recruits anyways. But when we were able to get a commitment first, a commitment first, we should have been able to seal the deal. And this is, it's not just this one recruitment that's starting to bring up concerns. It's a multitude of recruitments combined. It's not really one single one on its own that makes me look at it and say that is the problem it's the sum of the parts that yeah. is the problem i think because we're losing Jaden ham Jaden ham is going to arkansas arkansas for next year yeah then uh, we lost kanak we lost crawford yep yeah kanak i'm honestly not too worried about because like clemson's clemson but like yeah. crawford we lost to iowa uh that's a pure school um kai thomas a couple years ago went to minnesota and then we have uh uh, Stenger, who decommits and goes to Nebraska. And uh, I don't know, it's just, it's starting to get uh, frustrating that it feels like, at least for a lot of our recruits, uh, when a Power 5 swoops in, uh, we're kind of screwed. Uh, that's not always the case. I mean, like, there's exceptions to that rule. VJ Payne had a very impressive offer sheet, as did uh, Garrett Oakley. Uh, Oakley. Yeah, he had some uh, offers that were not as publicized. Uh, uh, from Big Ten schools and Pac-12 schools. Um, and then there's uh, uh, Jordan Perry. He had a good offer sheet. But Stenger was really frustrating to lose because while at the time it kind of seemed like an under-the-radar commitment from what we saw from his senior film, he's an unbelievable athlete at, and he was going to play linebacker for us. Uh, but Nebraska is the hometown school and they just have that allure up there. They, like, they hold... They just have a hold on people up there. They're writing the success of 30 years ago, and they'll continue to do so for another 40 years, probably. 
and there's not a lot that we can do about that. It's either you grow up and you're obsessed with Nebraska or you're not when you're born in that state. And someone that is, they're going to jump on the opportunity to play for Nebraska almost every time. Yeah. And so, but that doesn't mean that doesn't hurt. And that doesn't mean that this is a recruiting battle that's excusable to lose. We, K-State needs to be doing more to revitalize its image and market itself better and close. That, that is just the problem with the staff is they can't close. Yeah. So we pretty much exhausted that. Let's move on to brighter news because we actually have three new commits in two and three other sports. Let's start off at the top with women's basketball. First off, a six foot two forward out of St. Louis, Missouri, Eliza Maupin. Again, women's basketball is painfully difficult to come by, but you know she's apparently a highly touted recruit. Both of these women are apparently highly touted recruits that have been attracting offers from other places. And both of them decided to announce their commitment. I believe the next one actually did it first, but it's always good to have new members of the team. The other one is Michaela Parks, a five foot eight guard out of Oklahoma. This is one that we have a bit more information on. She's a two-time Oklahoma 6A state champion, actually from Norman itself. And I'm not sure if she held a women's basketball offer from the Oklahoma Sooners. If she did, maybe we need to start taking, maybe the football staff needs to start taking notes from, say, Pete Hughes, and whatever they have, just take from them. But that's two new members of the women's basket cats. Okay, maybe don't call them that. That's Basket cats. Yeah. I like, I like the men's basket cats. <clears throat> I'm sorry, that's what it's going to be. Cat skip ball. Cat skip... <laughs> cat cat skip ball. ball. So the women's cat skip ball team has new, new, two, two new members. Sorry, you blew my mind with that. Two new members, Eliza Maupin and Michaela Parks. Be sure to welcome them to the family. And soccer picked up a new player as well, Paige Dixon. Ever tried to find soccer recruiting info? It's impossible. You can't do it. I've tried. It, there is nothing out there, honestly. I don't know how Mike Dabini does it because there is just no leads anywhere. I'd imagine most of it's just grassroots. But, yeah, uh, women's basketball and soccer are criminally underrepresented in the recruiting world, especially soccer. Uh, women's basketball, they at least have ESPN. They normally put together some sort of like top 100 or top 150 but they are kind of lazy. I'm just going to be straight up, but ESPN is just very lazy with their recruiting stuff. Yeah. Like they have, I think they have like two people that do it probably. Oh boy. It's us. Yeah. We secretly work for ESPN. I would never, I would never, (laughs) but they, unfortunately we have, we've not been able to find much information about women's basketball or soccer recruiting uh soccer i do know they've gotten more recruits than just Paige dixon but that's the only one that we were able to find particularly easily the rest of them like they're just buried somewhere in twitter yeah so if you actually know of a way to get women's basketball and soccer recruiting reliably please dm us or email us find some way to contact us so that we can get this information correct send us a letter yeah, because we we don't feel particularly good about not having the information on these on these recruits because, well, any any athlete we we hope to represent any athlete that comes to K 
K-State and spread the the good word of all Kansas State sports. Yeah, like, like we're a K-State sports podcast, not a K-State football podcast. Or like, a K-State men's basketball podcast yeah, or a like, K-State like, baseball podcast. Yeah, like, we're like we, we try to cover as much from every sport as possible. It's just that, you know, there's only so much that we can do on our own. Like, it's not like, it's not like this is a full-time job for us to know we're close to that, but we would love to have more information on some of the non-revenue sports because they are completely underrepresented in the, uh, the sports world. So, yeah. Anyway, our final recruit that we have is in the baseball sphere and Pete Hughes has done it again. He picked up Micah Henson, a 2024 class pickup, which perfect game does not have him rated yet. But he's projected to be a recruit that is potentially going to go national and may even attract MOB draft attention. Yes, that is what I've been hearing. Baseball is really, along with kind of women's basketball, the only non-revenue sport to have any sort of uh, recruiting around it. And it's just because baseball is just such a heavy like tournament sport. Like It's played year-round in a lot of places, so they... They just and, and also since they're drafting out of high school at times, it makes sense for it to be a lot of scouting around high school baseball. So part of the benefit with that is that with college recruits, you get profiles as well. And Micah Henson, he should be another highly rated recruit for Pete Hughes. Pete Hughes has just been an absolutely unbelievable recruiter at K-State. It's, I, I, I don't have words for the job that he's done in recruiting if you're worried about like football recruiting and basketball recruiting if you want to feel good about something go look at baseball recruiting it is absolutely crazy things are happening like we probably have jordan wicks too on the roster right now with jackson wentworth because as i recall he got drafted you did yeah he got we have a player that was drafted out of high school and ace just hit his elbow and moment of silence He's okay. okay. I'm good. But anyway, Jackson Wentworth out of Iowa. Uh, perfect game. We've kind of mentioned it before. They have a 1 to 10 rating system. Wentworth is a perfect 10. And he was drafted in the late rounds of the MLB draft. But he decided to come here instead. I'm assuming it's because he saw Jordan Wicks get drafted in the first round and said, I could probably do that. And yeah. so now he's coming here instead. And then we have another. Uh, um, 10 rated pickup for the class of 22, I believe. His name's Carson Quick. 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 I think it's Quick. Quick. And uh, I believe he's an outfielder, right-handed pitcher. Because Pete Hughes. Yeah, Pete Hughes loves utility players. I I, I don't... Whatever. I, I'm not even going to try and guess yeah. it. Pete, Pete Hughes, he makes it work. And, but... Yeah. But yeah, the the point is that P. Hughes has been an absolutely unbelievable recruiter, and the K State coaching staff as a whole uh, yeah. for baseball. I shouldn't just single out P. Hughes, but they've all been excellent. The facility upgrades have been huge for that as well. So yeah, and uh, to I don't understand what the narrative generally. You can't recruit to Manhattan. Uh. <laughs> Women's basketball—they're generally getting highly rated recruits. Uh, baseball. Baseball. They've been doing well. Track. Track. Yeah, like we we're constantly getting best high jumpers in the country here, and we've had multiple Olympians. So, I, for some reason, I just isn't transferring over to the major sports. I have no explanation. That's just kind of how it's been. Yeah. So that wraps up recruiting. 
Now let's get into, we actually have one more or less a preview for what is to come. That is in women's basketball, and that is Ioka Lee is a two-time preseason All-Big 12 pick, which is big for the cat, catskitball? Catskitball. Yeah, the women's catskitball team. And, yeah, there's just not much to say there. I'm really yeah. glad that we have someone who's making an All-Big 12 yeah. team, and yeah. we'll have to... We'll have to kick out to uh, a few women's basketball games this year. Yep, Aoka Lee is just a beast. I mean, if you've had the pleasure of watching her play basketball in person, she is so much fun to watch because it's kind of like the big kid in, like, fifth grade basketball, like the kid that just grew (laughs) faster than everyone else. And that just doesn't actually... It's it's like if that person had actual basketball skills. I'm talking about myself right now. Like... (laughs) Like, I just grew faster than everyone, so that made me better at basketball for, like, four years. And then I realized that wasn't actually good. I was just tall. (laughs) Imagine that, but Aoka Lee is, like, four inches taller than me and is also very good at basketball. So She's 6'5"? She is. She's huge. She's huge. She's 6'5", and she's a force in the paint, and she's a good free throw shooter as well. So they can't hack a shacker because she'll just make the free throws. (laughs) She, it was clear just how important she was to the team because I believe she got hurt for a while last year and the wheels just, just fell off. Either that or maybe I'm thinking of like her fouling out of games and then the team also having the wheels fall off. Yeah. <laughs> but granted, there was a lot more going on with women's basketball last year. Like I've never seen a team blow so many fourth quarter leads in the final like five minutes. It was absolute insanity. Like I was, it was West Virginia, I think. This is kind of off topic, but I just I want to talk about it because we haven't talked about it before, and I think people may have forgotten about it. <laughs> we were playing West Virginia. It was our first game back from, like, we missed almost, like, a month because of COVID just making its way through the team and the coaching staff. We finally got back. We were running this weird offense where it was, like, high school basketball offense with no shot clock where you just, like, stand at, like, like half court and wait for the shot clock to get to, like, eight seconds, and you just drive at the lane and, like, hope you make a layup. And it was working for most of the game. And we were up by 12 with about 90 seconds to go. And then West Virginia found out that we didn't know how to press break, which is something we did not figure out how to do for the remainder of the season, which was, like, 15 games. (laughs) And... And then West Virginia managed to turn in about 90 seconds, as I recall, uh, may have been a little longer. They managed to turn a like 12 point deficit into, I think a nine point victory. Oh and then Jeff Minnie also got ejected and got double technical with like 30 seconds. To go. <laughs> I will say while it was horribly painful to watch as a K-State fan, there was just something that you had to admire about it. It was like, <laughs> You don't get to see that many times in your life. Just a a collapse of epic proportions like that. It was unbelievable to see. That's totally off topic from this episode, but I just kind of wanted to share that because it just came to the forefront of my memory. I guess I suppressed the trauma or something like that. <laughs> so it just felt like sharing that. We can move on now. Yeah, so anyway, uh, that's it for women's basketball. Go support the basketball team. Let's get into the Soccer Cats. They actually have three games that we can talk about. Two ties and one unfortunate loss. But 
Let's firstly start with the first tie, which was against number nine, West Virginia, in which we tied them one-to-one. This was probably the biggest result in program history for K-State soccer thus far. And I don't say... I'd say it's not even particularly close. We've come close to beating ranked teams before or drawing ranked teams before, but we've never been able to do it. So getting even a draw, uh, even a, even a tie against a t- anybody is absolutely incredible um, just because we've never done it before. Uh, the program hasn't been a lot around for very long, but it's just a great sign of progress for the squad uh, all the scoring was early in this match, and this is a match that went through double overtime. You have to do that to get a draw. So uh, Lily McCarthy of West Virginia scored in the 8th minute, and then Kyler Goins for K-State scored in the 18th minute, and that was it. And uh, there was also a yellow card in the 13th minute, so everything happened like the first 20 minutes of this yeah. game. Um, Elena Weremeyer. She had a great game per usual. She saved a penalty, I believe. No, that was against Baylor. I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, she had nine saves in this game. West Virginia had 17 shots, 10 on goal. K-State had eight shots, three on goal. So, I mean, obviously West Virginia uh, had a much better day in that regard, but not as much as you'd think. K-State didn't get a single corner kick. West Virginia had eight. Fouls were about even. 11 for West Virginia. K-State had 13. But the... Uh, the only important stat from this is the fact that K-State drew with the number nine ranked team in the country. This is not a game that they were expected to even be close in, and they got away with a point, which is just incredible. I mean, I think this year was kind of make it or break it for Mike Dabini in terms of showing progress with the, the squad because they hadn't really grown much in the last four or five seasons. And he's finally shown some signs of major progress this year. So uh, this was an excellent result for the team. Yeah. Then we followed it up with another not quite as good, but still very good result against number 23 Baylor, in which we tied them nil to nil. Yep. Not not a ton happened in this game. Well, as bit, the score would tell yeah, you. It's more exciting than the score suggests, but in terms of... Scoring, obviously there was none. There were three yellow cards given out. Uh, K-State's Kenzie Gillespie in the 63rd minute. Uh, Baylor's Maddie uh, Algia in the 85th minute. And then K-State's Kirsten Von Klar in the 110th minute. Uh, this is a nil-nil victory for the KSU Cats. Uh, Baylor outshot K-State significantly. 21 shots to, and 13 on goal to eight shots and two on goal for K-State. However, Elena Wehrmeyer had the game of her life. She had 13 saves, which is a program record. She saved a penalty kick in, uh, I believe, late in the second half. She had an absolutely incredible game. She is almost single-handedly carrying the Cats to a respectable record along with Brooklyn Entz. Yeah. And she's just been absolutely outstanding. I mean, I've, I'm not entirely sure how to gauge true talent and stuff like that and uh, goalkeepers, but 13 saves is pretty, pretty, pretty good. So I would imagine that she's probably going to end up playing professionally somehow because I, I just don't see how you can 
have this many saves and just perform as well as she has and not play at another level somewhere. But yeah, she, um, I, I guess I won't get ahead of myself. No, I'll um, get ahead of the, yourself because okay, it's yeah. relevant here. Okay. Yeah. Elena, uh, she, um, two weeks in a row was the big 12 goalkeeper of the week. And then this past week she was named to the NCAA national team of the week, which is just crazy. K-State has definitely been getting a lot more honors this year, more Big 12 such-and-such of the week, and more like national team of the week. I believe uh, one of the uh, Weichel sisters was on the national team of the week earlier this year uh, when they had a two-goal performance against, I believe it was like Colorado State maybe. But Elena Wormeyer has just been absolutely excellent, Uh, has not given up much. Uh, She's, I don't know, I, I don't have much else to say about it other than She's just been absolutely great, and it's just been the heart and soul of the KSU Cats, along with Brooklyn Ents. And yep. I believe she's only like a sophomore, if I'm not mistaken. So we get a few more years to enjoy her greatness. I'm about to check the roster. I want to like, I don't want to just like spew conjecture. <laughs> yep. <laughs> She is a sophomore. Hey. So she, she'll she be sticking around for a little while. I don't know how I knew that. <laughs> Big brain hours. I, that was, that must, that must be it. Big brain. But yeah, the the story alongside Elena Wehrmeyer being an absolute beast is K-State getting another draw against a ranked opponent. They had never done it until the West Virginia game. Then they did it twice in a row. You want to see me do it again? <laughs> yeah, I would like to see that actually. But they... She had two straight results against ranked opponents. Awesome performances from the Cats. I get it, like you'd rather have a win, but when you're a young program that's still developing and you've never even gotten a draw before, this is good results. Yeah. Unfortunately, we are on the come down from that, though. We tie two ranked programs only to lose to what I believe is an unranked program. Correct. In Oklahoma State, in Stillwater. Because apparently the curse of Stillwater transcends sports. Yes, it does. Uh, it's not just football where we're cursing Stillwater. It's I, the other football, too. Yep, I honestly, I can't think of a sport where we aren't cursed in Stillwater. Baseball, baseball? doesn't really... Baseball, baseball got swept there last year. Great said baseball was cursed on the road, period, last that year. That's true. Like, it, it was unbelievable how awful they were on the road. But that's beside the point. Yeah, the Cats, uh, this was... Just tonight, Thursday, uh, they dropped the game to the Oki Light Cowboys. They uh, lose 2 0 on the road. Uh, vastly outshot 18 to 6, 8 to 1 on shots on goal. Pretty tough. Case had 12 fouls, uh, just four for Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had nine corner kicks. Casey only had three. So, just really tough game. For the Cats, uh, Elena Wehrmeyer, like, eventually shots were going to get through. Yeah. I'm not worried at all about that, and you probably shouldn't be either. But um, the two goals were scored uh, within eight minutes of each other. One in the 75th minute, one in the very early stage of the 83rd minute. Uh, and then also in the 83rd minute, just a little bit after the goal, K-State's uh, Joey Lujan got a yellow card. Um, not a ton to write home about on this game other than uh, the Cats went on the road and just weren't able to 
pull it out, unfortunately. So, tough loss for the Cats. Yeah. Still, we have a lot to look up for and a lot to be excited about this season. And K-State soccer plays once again in Oklahoma in Norman on Sunday. So be watching for the results to that. So let's move into volleyball, who had a very elongated break between their previous matchup to tonight. And tonight, they played West Virginia on what was TikTok night. Uh, take with that info what you will. We didn't go, so we can't tell you what it was, but I do know that I am scared to know what it was. Yeah. Um... Anyway. Anyway, we'll move on from it being TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe it was a magical night for us because it was a 3-2-1 dub in favor of the Volley Cats. And you've got stats. I do. Um, this was, a, as you said, a 3-1 victory for the KSU Cats. Uh, set 1 went to the Cats 20, 25-22. West Virginia took the second set 25-23. And then K-State took the reins very comfortably from there. They won set three, 25 to 16, and set four, 25 to 18. So they were able to really take over this game in the latter stages. I am trying to find where the stats are on here, and I am really struggling. There they are, but... <laughs> unless. Unless. <laughs> what are these? This looks so much different. Split box? Yeah, that's what I wanted. Okay. But any, anywho. Um, we're professionals. Yes, we're professionals. Uh, KSU Cats, uh, they did pretty decently attacking, at least comparatively to West Virginia. Uh, Leah Carter, once again, uh, had a lot of attack attempts. Uh, she had 48 attack attempts, 18 kills to 6 errors. Uh, Katie Fernholz had 24 attack attempts to 11 kills with just 2 errors. So she had the best hitting percentage on the day for the Cats. And then Holly Bonday had 27 attack attempts, 10 kills, and just two errors. Oh, and then also uh, Jaden Nemhard uh, had 43 attack attempts, 14 kills, and 7 errors. So not the most efficient day in the world for her, but nevertheless, she did a lot. Um, K-State, in terms of team hitting percentage, almost doubled up West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia just was not efficient at all hitting the ball, uh, the exception of, uh, looks like, one person. That is an interesting name. Ogor, Ogogor. I'm not even going to try. Anywho, oh, boy. <laughs> um, and then West Virginia, um, they did have, oh, this is probably tanking their uh, percentage, is they had someone with nine attack attempts, no kills, and four errors. I, I can't. Oh. It, it simply just does not get much worse than that. So. <laughs> But yeah, uh, KSU Cats take down uh, the Mountaineers and they'll face them once more on Friday at 7 p.m. That's actually going to be televised on ESPNU. So, right? I know. But they'll be on ESPNU. They'll also be in Bramlage. Uh, it says it's dollar day on their schedule. If I'm guessing, I'm assuming that either means dollar tickets, dollar concessions, or both. It's probably both. I mean, it, remember yeah. the last time we went to the volleyball game? And they just gave us five hot dogs each. Yeah, they, the, the last volleyball game we went to, which was Baylor, 
they were handing out free hot dogs for students at entry and i was like okay that's cool and then like towards the end of the game they just like were walking around with this giant platter of hot dogs <laughs> and they were like do you guys want hot dogs and we were like i mean sure and they were like yeah like we made way too many hot dogs yeah so we got five each yeah like i i had i had too many hot dogs eventually is i think what i i would say there were yeah. far too many hot dogs uh we may actually would you be okay maybe we'll talk about this after Maybe we'll be there, or at least Possibly. maybe I'll be there. Possibly. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. But that wraps up volleyball. Now we get to talk about cross country. Uh, they have a cross country meet on Friday in Tallahassee. Is that where Florida State is? Um, that sounds right. Gainesville is Florida. Florida. Miami's Orlando. Miami. Orlando is UCF. Yeah. I think USF is like Tampa or something around there. I think so. Uh, Florida International, I don't know where it is. It doesn't really matter. It's, it's FIU. Yeah. Um, Tallahassee sounds right for Florida State. I don't know. All right, I will look this up. You, you say some stuff to make it seem like we're coordinated. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, they haven't really done all that much, or at least not much that's, that's publicized. Because it is apparently in Tallahassee. It is Tallahassee. Okay. The more you know. They haven't done much that's publicized because cross-country and golf teams both get treated like trash. They do not garner much public attention from K-State fans. So. Or even their own website. <laughs> because yeah. their own, we'll get into this later, but their own website failed to update an event that happened within a sport. Yeah, that that was pretty sad, which is crazy because they updated it elsewhere. They had a whole story about it, but they just didn't update the schedule. <laughs> yeah, they have a meet in Tallahassee, Florida. Then let's move into golf. The men's played in the Big 12 Championship, or at least what was called the Big 12 Play Championship. I'm not sure if there's a distinction. Uh, we got 10th place. So, rough weekend... <laughs> Yeah, it says Big 12 Match Play Championship. Um, so I think that's just part of the fall schedule, if I can tell. Like, because the fall schedule and the spring schedule are not the same. I don't know why that is. But they play some fall ball, and but I think it's technically a spring sport. The more you know. But yeah, they got 10th out of 10th. They accrued no points. Uh, which really sucks considering that they actually were kind of at the beginning of the year looking legit. And then they went and they got 11th out of 12 in their second last tournament and then dead last uh, Big 12 match play. Which really sucks because there were some promising golfers on that team. But, you know, we'll have to watch them in the future, see if they make some improvements for the spring. Yeah. Now we get to talk about the sport, which they failed to update on the schedule. Women's golf. Uh, they were meant to play. I tried to figure out when on the schedule they would play, and they just refused to update the schedule. But apparently we may have found stats? Um, we allegedly did. I'm not to go find them again, though, because I... Oh, no. This formatting is horrible. Okay. Wait. I think I remember how I got to it. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, yeah, they just didn't update the schedule. <laughs> yeah. Um, we found the stats. There were 13 teams playing at this tournament. Uh, KSA got 12th. Um, also, we've discovered that UNLV is strangely good at women's golf. They got first by 11 strokes. 
They were the they were the only team that finished under par. UNLV goaded. They are absolutely excellent. Maybe they have like Larry Brown back there paying people off. <laughs> yeah, he's returned to UNLV for another uh, ring of corruption. But yeah, K State finished twelfth out of thirteen. They were comfortably ahead of thirteenth. Uh, they were twelve strokes ahead of Lamar, but they were also twenty one strokes behind eleven. Like, <laughs> yeah, third through eleven were relatively close to each other. Like, 11th was about as close to 3rd as we were to 11th. And we got 12th. Which is super <laughs> tough. And I'm looking at how we did. Uh, it, it ain't good. What is... No. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, so, let's just suffice it to say... <laughs> women's golf had a tough weekend they did by god they tried they they did they had guts but yikes man yeah that's all i have to say uh, that, that is really tough yeah but hey yeah we we covered them though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so that wraps up the recap segment some good some bad but now let's get into the wacky segment of the week. And for football, it's Farmageddon week. So, of course, we had to do something involving Iowa State in some way. And for this week, you must pick one K-State player to help you fight the entire Iowa State team. It's a simple premise. Who are you picking? I'm torn between two people. Do okay. you have a decision? Yes. Go first, yes. and I'm... That's better than both of my choices. <laughs> yeah, like, I I don't who like that's the objectively correct answer. Like it's, it's not just because like he doesn't have the size advantage, but he has an unkillable motor. Exactly. Like he he's I think I think he may be right in that he may be the only one on the team that has the combination of strength and stamina <laughs> <laughs> to fight everyone. Yeah, because I was torn between Timmy Horn and Daniel Green were my two, which I think are good picks. Timmy, just pure size. Like, I take him over almost anybody in, like, a MMA match, unless they were, like, professionally trained. Then, mm-hmm. okay, maybe. But, okay. <laughs> and then Daniel Green is just just a menace. So, and in this cage match, targeting is allowed. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so we'll, we'll say this. Iowa State is allowed to bring in two people at a time to fight you and whoever you pick. I'm still taking Jax because I feel like any offensive player will look at Jax, say no, and then walk the other way, and all the rest of the defensive players will just get cut down at the kneecaps, and then I can just, like, stomp them. I will take Timmy Horn in this situation because... I've seen what he does to double teams, and he just consumes them. <laughs> you wouldn't even have to do anything. You're just sitting no, back like, all right. No, I really would. Like They would just charge, and Timmy would attack both of them. <laughs> <laughs> He's just picking them up like by their throats with one hand each. I'm just throwing them out of the octagon. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm fine. We're okay. Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, it's a short, wacky segment, but it's effective. Uh, that's a good wacky segment. Yeah. Who would you pick to be with a fight like against Iowa State? Drop a comment. 
put it, really going out on a limb here. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. S- somebody reply, cowards. Please. <laughs> Please. Bet you won't. <laughs> okay. But yeah, this wraps up this episode of Aggieville Alley Cats. If you want to reach out to the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to reach us out on email, you can reach us at AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to reach out to us on a more personal note, I am at ACEdward00 on Twitter. And I am at Connor Valtzor, capital C and capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please check out our merch store where we sell such designs as Play Sandstorm, Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.